Hey, God bless you. This is Pastor Mark Vega with another episode of Now You Know. Every Monday, we're going to be debunking myths, smashing taboos, tackling tough topics. And today, I want to talk to you about the subject of deliverance. There's a lot to say about deliverance, but here's what I want to talk about. I want to meticulously talk about maintaining your freedom. Maintaining your freedom. Deliverance is the easy part. Staying free is where we have to put the work in. There's a passage in scripture where Jesus gives a teaching on deliverance. And we're going to talk about that. I want to talk to you from the subject of deliverance as I've seen in 25 years, people that have been set free by the power of God, people that have been healed by the power of God, and all of a sudden they lose their deliverance. They lose their freedom. They lose their healing. Why does that happen? Can it happen? And let me just tell you, yes, it can happen. Jesus, after giving his teaching, in in Luke 11, 27, after he finishes teaching on this, and I'm going to give you the latter before I give you the former, someone in the crowd, a lady, a woman in the crowd called out and said, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and who nursed you. In other words, she said, my God, the wisdom you've just shared is going to alter my life, my generation for years and years to come. Whoever nursed you and whoever birthed you is surely blessed. Here's what Jesus responded. He he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. If today in this podcast, you take the word, learn the word, retain the word, apply the word, and teach the word. If you hear it and obey it, here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus said. You will be more blessed than my mother Mary. Did you catch that? If you listen to the word, apply it, you're going to be more blessed than Mary. So let's get right into it. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 24, he says, when an evil man, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes to dry, arid places seeking rest, and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house. You are the house. I'm going to return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Then he says, then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the original. I want to break that down. So whatever you were delivered from, if you're taking notes, whatever you were delivered from will always come back to periodically visit you, to assess you, to evaluate you. Evaluate what? Evaluate to see if you are still full of the power of God, full of faith, full of prayer, and full of the word. So whatever you were delivered from, you're not delivered from that one time and that's it. You weren't delivered from an addiction. The power of God delivered you. You were delivered through a ministry, through someone 
there was an exorcism, there was a demon cast out of you, however you were delivered, whatever the methodology that God used to deliver you is only the beginning. See, in churches, we think it's the end result. I was delivered from this. What we don't understand is that you're delivered from it, but you're not delivered from it coming back to see if it can occupy your house once again. That's why you need to perpetually stay in the word of God, perpetually stay in prayer, perpetually stay in community. You don't do that one time and that's it. You do it continually. Why? Because discipleship has continuity. Deliverance has continuity. Healing has continuity. Let me give it to you in practical terms. You had a back ailment. All of a sudden, you experience the fire of God. Maybe it was a euphoric feeling. Maybe you felt it. You felt heat in your back. And now you can do something that you couldn't do before. I couldn't bend down. I couldn't touch my toes. Now I can bend down. I can touch my toes. I used to have to take painkillers. I took it for years, but now no painkillers necessary. I slept like a baby. I'm bending. I'm touching my toes. I am flexible. I've got mobility. I am healed by the power of God. And you praise God and you testify and you tell someone that's usually all we do until we forget about the healing. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you experience the healing, expect visitations, expect that same spirit, that back ailment, that spirit of infirmity, whatever the infirmity is to come back to see if it can occupy your house, if it can have you like it did before. If your house is full, if you are full of the power of God, of faith, of the word. If you are full, you are you are living free. You're reciprocating freedom. You are praying for other sick people. You are cultivating that healing. Then when that evil spirit looks through the window of your soul to see if your house is empty or full and he sees that it's full, he cannot invade. He will once again have to leave. And he can't touch you. Now, when he visits you, he's going to visit you either through an urge, if you were delivered from an addiction, or he's going to visit you and you're going to sense the visitation by experiencing the same pain you experienced before. When you were under that bondage, that infirmity. It'll be three months, four months, five months. All of a sudden, you wake up, boom, your back is locked. And that's where he's visiting you. And that's about the time the enemy whispers in, in, into your ear and tells you, you see, God did not heal you. That was you. Those were your emotions. That was just that was just ecclesiastical euphoria. That was nothing but you. You made it up. That was your mind. It's at that moment where you have to rise in the midst of the pain and declare, there is no room for you in my body. I was healed by the power of God. I have mobility. I have have strength and this pain is not going to keep me it's not going to retard me it's not going to regress me it's not going to put me in a position where i succumb to what the enemy wants me to because if i do that he'll come in with seven worse spirits and my condition will be worse than the original 
if you were delivered from same-sex attraction and now you're living in freedom and you even encountered something you've never encountered before, now you're getting feelings for the opposite sex and you're celebrating that and my God, I was healed and, and I'm celebrating and I'm throwing a party, a deliverance party, I'm inviting friends to it. Three months later, I'm in the mall, I'm shopping, I'm getting a pair of sneakers, I'm in a, a foot locker and I look grab a pair of sneakers, I want to try them on, I look, and I lock eyes with someone of the same sex, and there goes that urge again, there's that fire again, there's that feeling again, that I used to have when I was in bondage, my friend, that does not mean that you were not healed, that just means that you're being visited, why are we not teaching this in church, why are we not teaching that whatever you were delivered from, will come back to see if it can have you again, the devil is relentless. The devil is in pursuit to break anything that looks like a supernatural victory for you from God. And it's at that point where either you fold like a tent and you say, I'm still gay. I guess that was a season of me feeling good, but I'm still gay. I still have the attraction. I want to give my number to this guy, whatever it is. Guy on guy, girl on girl, heterosexually. You, you, you encounter an old flame. You know the things you used to do. And that window has opened to occupy you as it once dominated you. It is at that moment where you have to stand up, regardless of where you're at, who's looking at you, who's surrounding you, and declare in the name of Jesus, I'm free. I've been set free by the power of God. The blood of Jesus washed me, cleansed me. The word of God reiterates to me that I am free. I will stay free and I will not give room to the devil. And I guarantee you what's going to happen instantly. That feeling will leave. I've had people that were alcoholics tell me the same thing. Season where they felt great. Then all of a sudden, they're walking and they just get a taste of Bacardi, a taste of rum, a taste of alcohol without inserting anything into their mouths. It'll come in form of a dream. It'll come in form of a look. It'll come in form of taste. It's the enemy. It's Satan. It is Satan. It's Beelzebub who is visiting you to see if you are empty or you're full. If you evacuate it, or if you evicted him. Many times we say we were delivered and we didn't evict him. We just evacuated him. Evacuation is what you do when there's a storm coming. After the storm leaves, you come back and you take up residence where you resided. And sometimes after the storm, after the crusade, after God does what he does, that biblical storm, that fire, everything that God does, we sometimes contend to such a degree, we start believing. I want you to get this now. We start believing that we're going to be free for the rest of our lives, but we don't read the word. We don't apply the word. We don't listen to the prophecies. We don't hold on to scripture. And so we just evacuated temporarily that spirit from our lives. You need to get this. You need to get this in your spirit. You need to understand. Here's what Paul says, and this is so powerful. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 29, he's talking to the Corinthians and he says, Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Now, he's making a point of comparison, a relational point, a connecting point. But listen to the content. 
Watch this. And this is more than semantics. This is his spiritual position. He says, who's not weak, man? And I'm not weak. Then he says something fascinating. He says, who is led into sin? Now watch this now. You would think he's going to say, and I am not led into sin because that's the relational point. Who's weak and I'm not weak? Who's tired and I'm not tired? Who's led into sin? He doesn't say, and I'm not led into sin. You know what he says? And I don't inwardly burn. In other words, there are times where I am burning because I am feeling the battle, the impulse, the desire to sin, but I do not give room to the devil by exercising that sin, by actually obeying my feelings, obeying the lust, obeying what the enemy would have me do. I'll, I'll rather inwardly burn. And as I inwardly burn, I might be burning on the inside because it is sacrificial to crucify your flesh. But, but let me just explain to you, I'm being built up in my spirit. I'm being built up in who God wants me to be. That's why we got so many students battling with same-sex attraction, battling with homosexuality, battling with all of these contending diabolical forces that come to destroy, right? To destroy anything that God has designed, heterosexually, spiritually, right? Trying to destroy God's design. Let me just make this clear to you. The answer to stay free, God gave it to us. God gave it to his disciples in John chapter number eight. And it's a powerful verse of scripture. And that is probably, probably the most decontextualized portion of scripture, passage of scripture that we, we utilize. Everybody knows the part where it says, you will know the truth. If there were a thousand people before me, they'd all repeat and the truth shall set you free, man. But that is contextualize that. Here's what he's telling. Here's what Jesus is teaching. He starts off with a word that's conditional, if, meaning freedom. Freedom will not be experienced by everyone, only those that meet the condition. Oh, God. What is the condition? Well, he says, if you hold to my teachings. You notice, you're going to notice people that fluctuate. One minute they're in bondage, another minute they're in the pinnacle of freedom, another minute they're in bondage, they fluctuate in their temperament, they fluctuate in their spirituality, they fluctuate in sin, one day they're sinning, the other. There is a correlation between spiritual fluctuation and biblical literacy. I'm going to say that again. There is a correlation, a connection, a thread between being a fluctuator, somebody who fluctuates spiritually and someone who is biblically illiterate. Biblically illiterate means you've got no objective reason or fact or promise to stand on when you pray. The question is not, is the church praying? The question is, does the church know how to pray? The word of God can only teach you how to pray. 
This is why God did not listen to the Pharisees because the Pharisees prayed even more than Jesus. And so did the Sadducees. But he said, you, he's talking about the Pharisees. And when he's talking about the Pharisees, he lets it be known. You guys, you guys, you pray and you, and you quote scripture. But yet, because you think that by them, you're going to have life, but you won't come to me for life. In other words, you go to church, but you got to do more than go to church. This is what Jesus is saying. John chapter number eight, verse 32, the gospel of John. If you hold on to my teachings, if you hold on, why do I have to hold on to something that I cannot lose? Because I can lose it. Lose what? You can lose teachings. What do you mean? Teachings can be snatched up. That's why I need to hold on. Hold on to principles. Hold on to biblical metrics. Hold on. Hold on to axioms. If you hold to my teachings, then you are really emphatic on the word really. You are really my disciples. How am I your disciple? You being his disciple is predicated on how good, how well, how faithful you can hold on to teachings. Then he says, and then, so, so, so check this now. I, I got to hold on to, if you hold on to my teachings, then you are really my disciples. And then, what does then mean? Then means this is the effect this is the ramification, the effect, the side effect that was caused by what I just previously stated. If you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then and only then will you know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Youth pastor, pastor, leader, stop telling, stop, stop telling people to read a portion of scripture and to tell you what it means to them. What does that mean? What it means to them. There's 7 billion people in this blue planet called Earth. Do you think that portion of scripture has 7 billion definitions and meanings? No, it's only, it's only one. Jesus never says, hey, read my teachings and tell me what it means to you. No, no. I need to know what it meant when God inspired it. I have to do the work. I've got to do the research. I can't just take a portion of scripture and bend it to and accommodate it to my liking, to my convenience. Is God's word pliable and moldable like that? Or is it is it inerrant? Is it infallible? Is it a rock? Is it oak? The oak of God. And I'm convinced we're seeing a generation of young people being delivered by the power of God, but nobody's teaching them how to hold on to that deliverance. We're not teaching them that they must hold on to what they were delivered from. If you're listening today, regardless of where you're at, what city you're in, what time it is, you were delivered from something. You got to hold on to the teaching so that that deliverance, that deliverance can be a constant victory for Christ 
and for you in Christ. But I got to warn you, whatever you were delivered from, no matter how ugly it was, I know you don't want to talk about it. Perhaps it happened years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I don't know your age, your demographic. I don't know where you were born, when you were born. I don't know how long it's been since you were delivered, but it has official visitation rights. God allowed whatever you were delivered from to visit you because he expects you to have enough word to contend against that thing that wants to occupy your soul once again. And when it occupies, it will not come in as it did before. It will grab seven worse demons, seven worse demons, even demons believe in the chain of command the church doesn't believe in the chain of command but demons believe in the chain of command Isn't that crazy demons are sometimes operate more biblically than some of the saints what have you been delivered from is it anger well praise god god delivered you from anger but that spirit of anger that anger will come back to see if you evicted him or if you just temporarily evacuated him is it hate is it pornea is it sexual addiction is it a psychological is it an emotional is it a physical ailment whatever you were delivered from will come back frequently forever until you meet god face to face to see if your house is empty or full. I was delivered from some stuff back in the year 1992 and 1993. I was delivered from some stuff. And we're talking about 30 years ago. I was delivered from some stuff. I have seen the hand of God. I've held on to teachings. I have seen how God's grace and his mercy has favored me. I have seen God. I can attest that God's word is a reality. I've seen God do amazing things. I cannot complain, but can I be honest with you? Those same things I was delivered from 30 years ago, they still come back every once in a while to see if my house is empty or full. I don't see a teenager backsliding in scripture. Somebody came up with that theology. Uh, we got to help young people out. Young people, you know, because they easily they easily get distracted and they, they backslide. And, you know, they're, they're really a liability in the church. And, you know, they're so weak and so anemic. We got to help them out. That's not in scripture. In scripture, young people are the ones that caused the fire of God to fall. Young people were the ones that God called. David was young. Daniel was young. On and on. Samuel. The disciples, the disciples were ages 14 to 24. You know who backslid? 40-year-olds like David. You know who backslid? 50-year-olds like King Saul. You know who backslid? 60-year-olds like Demas. You know who backslid? 40-year-olds like Samson. It's not, it's not the 20s I'm concerned about. I oh, know. 
Listen, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, Azusa Revival, Argentinian Revival, Toronto Blessing, every revival that has rocked this nation, Pensacola, the great movements today, they are the wicks, the wicks, the wicks, the gas are the young people that are on fire for God. They don't care about the nominational movement. They don't care about politics. They don't care about position. They don't care about title. They just want to see God move. That's why I love young people. They want to see God move. They ain't got time. They ain't got time to change. They ain't got time. They ain't got time to, 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 to compare themselves and see who's got the biggest church and who's riding in what car and who's preaching what event. They got time for that. They just want to see God. And they'll stay in that place and cry and plead because they know that, it, that revival does not ignite hearts. Hearts ignite revival. But can I share something with you? Look at the last 20 years, last 30 years. Prominent pastors and prominent leaders that have fallen. They weren't 20. It wasn't a church planter that fell. It was somebody in their 40s and 50s and 60s that forgot. Forgot that that diabolical spirit that was released into dry, arid places would come back to see if the house was empty or full. And you may take a break, but they don't. You may rest, but they don't. They pursue, they watch, they study, they research, they do surveillance. They're tactical to see if your house is empty or full. Stay full. Stay full. Don't worry about church politics. Stay young. Stay young. What do, what do I mean by that? Stay young. Learn responsibility. Before you become a man of God, first become a man. Before you become a woman, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, become a woman of virtue. Let me just tell you, it ain't, it ain't, listen to me, this has nothing to do with seniority. This has everything to do with holding on to the teachings let your first, let your eyes gaze, not over Facebook and Instagram, not over social media. Don't start, when you wake up in the morning, don't start scrolling. No, no. Talk to God. The first conversation, let it not be with your friend. Let it not be with your mother. Let it not be with your husband or with your wife or your spouse. Let that first conversation, when your mouth is crusty and, it, and, and you got bad breath, you haven't even brushed your teeth. God, listen, that doesn't make God nervous and it don't make God nauseous. God delights hearing you say, Lord, have your way today. Let that be the first conversation you have. Spend time with God. Get into scripture. Break bread. Stay full. Refill your tank. The days of evil are not coming. The days of evil have come. They are here. And this ain't the time to take a break with church. This ain't the time to quit. This ain't the time to tap out. This is the time where you, you have to rise up. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the whole earth is waiting for the sons of God to rise. Did you know that? Mountains, oceans, the earth is waiting for you to take your place. My God, take your place as a man of God. Take your place as a daughter of Zion. But the only way you can do that and have longevity is to stay full. 
My friend, I pray this podcast has blessed you. I pray that you subscribe. I pray that you share it. I pray that you teach it. Don't celebrate. Stop doing cartwheels because of what God did yesterday during service in your life. Yeah, that has its place. Praise God for that. But take your pen out. Take your tablet out. Take your phablet out. Take your laptop out. Open up scripture. Buy a Logos Bible program. Get into the word. Because whatever you were delivered from, you better hold on to it. And you better learn the word. And stop being biblically illiterate. No, there's nothing wrong with binging on Netflix, on Hulu, on Vudu, on Amazon, on HBO Max. There's nothing wrong with Disney. There's not Disney Plus. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Binge on shows if you want. But don't forget to binge on the epistles. Don't forget to binge on Proverbs. Don't forget to binge on Psalms. Don't forget to binge on Scripture. Don't forget to binge on the Gospel. Don't forget to binge, to binge on God's Word. Stay full. Stay focused and stay fired up. This is Pastor Mark Vega. I'll see you next Monday.